Hi, and welcome to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast, where we have discussions with legal thought leaders from around the world in order to uncover the future of the legal space. I'm your host, Stephen Pulver. We're so delighted to officially welcome Haley Lavishvili to the podcast, to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast. It's so amazing to have you, Haley. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to just have a great conversation with you. Amazing. We're so excited. So uh, before we jump in, I think what's always useful for our listeners is to hear a little bit about yourself, a little bit, of course, about gig law. I'd love to hear about your background. Give us the uh, 40,000 foot view of, of your life and career. Absolutely. So I'm from New York. I'm a New Yorker at heart, but at 18 years old, I wanted to get as far away from New York as possible. So I went to USC and for my undergraduate studies out in LA. And USC is a very entrepreneurial type of school, type of vibe. A lot of people, a lot of my friends went out right after college to build their own companies. But I went the safer route, quote unquote, and went to law school. And I went to law school thinking that I wanted to go straight into entertainment law. So in order to do so, I shot out a million emails during my 1L year, which is the first year of law school. And just to pick entertainment lawyers' brains here, how they got to where they are, because where I went, I went to Fordham, I came back to New York uh, for law school. They really did not provide the resources for me to explore an entertainment field. So I actually ended up being able to land an internship at Warner Brothers after my first year. And it was an absolutely incredible experience. However, after the summer, I figured and I I thought to myself, maybe there's another sector within the legal industry that I would like to explore and that I would, you know, maybe enjoy more than entertainment. So beginning my second semester of 2L year, I started shooting out a million more emails to different lawyers just to pick their brains, whether it was real estate attorneys, trust and wills attorneys, cryptocurrency, uh, any bankruptcy, any lawyer that was willing to speak to me, I was talking to. And then the cryptocurrency lawyer, actually, he was a solo practitioner in California. And he said, you know, I could really use the assistance. Would you be willing to help me on kind of a project basis? And I said, absolutely. How about we set up a monthly retainer fee and you can send me as many assignments as you want. And he I said, love I love that. Yeah, he loved it. And so then I figured if he loves it, I'm sure there are other attorneys who would love this. So I started reaching out to more attorneys. And by the summer, I was going to an entertainment firm as well in LA, but I had five clients already. So I was doing both. I was waking up in the morning, working for the clients, then doing the firm work, working for the clients during my lunch break, then doing more client work after work. So it was a wild summer, but at the end of the summer, I kind of had to take a step back, look internally and say, what made me happier? Was it the firm or was it working for these clients? And so I decided it was working for these clients. So beginning in January of my third year, which was to January 2020, right before the pandemic, I fully committed and I started reaching out to more clients, get more lawyers, and I was able to get up to 10 clients. And then once I was at 10 clients, I realized, I kind of maxed out the capacity that I could do for all of these clients. So I figured, you know, this is such an amazing experience. I've gained experience in bankruptcy and trusts and wills and IP and entertainment in in employment law and anything you can think of I've done. And I figured this is such a type of education because I'm the type of person that learns from doing that. I didn't get through law school. I got through doing this type of work. 
So I figured this would be amazing for other law students to do and amazing for law firms to have this type of work. So beginning of June of this year, I created the website, I registered it as an LLC, I got all my ducks in a row, and we've just been growing and expanding since then. It's just been so exciting. That is incredible. Uh, Thank you. It's an amazing story and an amazing journey. I've taken a couple notes here. What I think is so striking Let's go all the way back. Let's actually go back to your 1L when you said you 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 were sending all these emails. How many emails do you think you had sent out before you landed with Warner Brothers? Probably around 500 to 700. And I was I probably hopped on at least 30 to 40 calls because I was doing at least two to three a week, which was great. And it really allowed me to gain confidence in speaking to people in addition to being okay with people not responding to me. <laughs> so, so, so you send five, six, 700 emails, like people yeah. should hear that because yeah. sometimes people see, see uh, the entrepreneur or the lawyer or whomever from the outside and they say, wow, they, they unbelievable. They got a one L right. job at Warner brothers, right? right? But what they don't see is the behind the scenes, the 500 emails, 700 yep. emails, that you sent to get there. And I think that is just unbelievable. So thank you. Kudos to you, especially in 1L. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I know what the 1L year is like. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's not really time for anything. So for right. you to be able to do that. And I think it's interesting, too, because you had said, you know, you'd chosen, you'd chosen uh, law as the, as the safer, I think you'd said right. the safer route. Right. That is, for me, that's what I thought it was. And obviously that's naive and a privileged way to think about it. But it was just a, a set track to a secure job. At least that was my misconception of going to law school. Well, well, well I, you know, I'm the exact same way. I mean, mm-hmm. in, before going to law school, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't, to me, oh, safe law school. That's <laughs> safe. That's yeah. what else, you know, that, that, that seems, uh, and of course it is a, uh, probably the, the best three years of my life in terms of learning. Right. I'm sure you could say the same thing, Absolutely. but it's unbelievable to hear uh, like-minded people like yourself saying, yeah, I chose law school because it was the quote unquote safe, safest route for, mm-hmm. um, for my future or your future. But then it seems like you hit one L and you literally turned <laughs> it on its head. I, I can almost oh, yeah. guarantee you that you were one of the few people that got on the phone 500 oh, yeah. times sent <laughs> thousands of emails, whatever it might be. So, so kudos to you for that. It, it's Thank very you. clear that that hard work does pay off. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit um, around this, uh, this idea around gig law. So it, it, it starts off as you doing all of the legal work, Is right? That, right. Okay. Uh, and then it expands out. So now you're at the point where you have, I think you'd mentioned previously a, a handful or is it mm-hmm. how many people are working with you now? So right now we have five students that are officially on board. They officially went through our vetting process because that's what we pride ourselves on. And that's what I tell the lawyers because we eliminate the need for these law firms and the lawyers to have to do a thorough vetting process that might take anywhere between 10 and 20 hours. So we, our students, excuse me, our students, what they have to go through is first they submit their materials. They have to have 
the minimum GPA, they have to have relevant uh, legal experience. So we generally don't take people who have not completed the first year of law school. So you can't be an incoming law student. You have to have that first year under your belt in addition to relevant legal experience. So if you were a paralegal before, that's great. And then we have an interview process. And then in, in the interview, if you show that you are dedicated, you love the idea, you really do want to gain experience and that's why you want to receive work from us. And I could tell through that interview, then you can move on to the next round, which is a mock assignment. So we send you an assignment, which is generally a legal research question or maybe a drafting question that requires you to do some research as well, say for like a pay or play clause, research what that is and give us a good clause. And so if you are or a good language for a clause, so then we compare that to work that I've already completed. And if you find all the cases that we were looking for, provide the correct analysis and you're not missing too many points and you've showed a great, not only a great effort, but also a great job and a great analysis, then you will be allowed to receive assignments from us. So those are those. Yeah. Right. So, so your, so the, so the, the legal minds, they're all, they're all students, correct? Yep. So yep. it'd be similar to, um, to a lawyer having, you know, in Canada, an articling student or a summer mm -hmm. student. Exactly. There's no, there's no concept of articling student, correct? In the U.S. It's, it's just. It's like an intern, a legal intern or a law clerk, you could say as well. Okay, so we're talking about the same type of student mm -hmm. that would be doing the same type of work for, let's say, a law firm, but now that student is not only getting this amazing broad experience with potentially yep. multiple clients. Is it, would that be fair? Absolutely. If, if there's a client that reaches out and says, hey, I love the work that this one student did for me for my next assignment. Could you give it to him or her? then that person could work uh, more closely with that one particular client. Let's say someone loves entertainment law and we have an entertainment client, then I'll prioritize that student to receive that client's assignments. Yeah. So, so I was so, going to say, they, yeah, they, please continue. For the, we have an intake form for them. So they specify the type of work that they're looking for and the type of assignments. Generally, I do try and give them all types of assignments because at the end of the day, in transactional law or even litigation, you are going to receive various assignments. But if you have a specific sector you're looking into, then we'll try and give you those that experience for that sector. Though for me, although even though we do prioritize it for the students because it makes it easier for organization, what I found so great about my experience is that I did gain experience in so many different uh, sectors of the legal industry by being open to being to receiving assignments from bankruptcy lawyers from IP lawyers like bankruptcy and IP are so different but I still love doing work for both so I hope students w would want a broader array so it's a it sounds like an ultimate win-win it's a win-win yeah. for the students it's a win yep. for the lawyer uh, it's also a win for the law school I'd like to Absolutely. say, right? So yeah. I guess my f first question is what have you found in terms of uh, specifically, I guess, in your case, uh, your mm -hmm. law school at Fordham, but, but other law schools, is this something that, that you think law schools ought to be getting behind and saying, Haley, mm -hmm. how have you done this for the students? <laughs> you know, we, we want you to roll this program out to, to our law school. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of my first thoughts because initially I was trying to thinking about how am I going to expand this on a national level? How will I, should I license it out to law schools? But so we're still in the process of figuring out what the steps for that will be. But I think 100% 
every single career center should have something like this set up because mainly laws like doctrinal classes are obviously so important, but getting your hands dirty, getting that experience, that's how you determine what type of law you really feel passionate about and you really think that you will thrive in. Like that's what, that was a misconception I had going to law school. I was like, Oh, you have a law degree you'll figure out what you're going to, you're going to be able to do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, there are so many different sectors within the legal industry. And it's cut in three years, you can't take enough classes. Plus doctrinal classes are mainly based on case law and readings, not actually going out and drafting contracts, drafting documents, doing the legal research about specific questions within that sector. So I think every law school should get behind me and support me and, uh, have me license this to them or figure well, well, something out. Well, I, I think this sounds amazing and something that, that is an obvious extension to, to what mm-hmm. you're doing. So it seems like when this started, uh, pra- you practicing, uh, you doing, uh, you know, practicing of law, not necessarily practicing, although not that's yet, another right. component piece. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's also the process component, right? Mm-hmm. So which of these two now, are you finding yourself spending more time now that you have five or six people working right. with you? You're spending more time on the process. I know you've outlined a couple tools that you can't live mm-hmm. without when we've spoken yeah. uh, previously. Are you mm-hmm. finding yourself now s- spreading yourself between two pieces in terms of helping in the actual work mm-hmm. and then the, also the process piece? So that was actually a major hurdle that I felt I had to get across because I'm the type of person where I love doing everything myself because I know the work that I'm going to produce is the highest quality that I would be proud to send to the lawyers. So being comfortable with delegating the work to the law students, at first it was pretty hard. So I was doing the legal intern practicing because I can't say I'm a lawyer because that's ethical issues in the US. But um, now and just in the last three to four weeks, I've been delegating a lot more workout. And when I receive the work product back and see that it is such high quality, just as high quality that I would have produced and I can trust these students, like I can trust the vetting process that we use. It has been such like a load off of my shoulders. And it's been so exciting because there now I'm giving that more them more the idea of practicing and I'm focusing on the process, which allows me to grow it even more. Because when I was focusing on the practicing, I wasn't focusing on outreach, on marketing, on branding, on, on getting on the phone with lawyers, getting new clients. So now I have more time to focus on that, which is awesome. So I understand the procedural elements mm-hmm. of your vetting process and, right. and how you, you do that. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the more, uh, the, the cultural aspect, the, yeah. is this person a good fit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to say this person has a f- 4.0 GPA, they, right. you know, they, they've done this and this, they're on every club in school, they've, you know, <laughs> they can, their writing is incredible, they're, they're the yeah. smartest in the class, whatever it might be, but what makes, what makes the proper person that's going to work for Gig Law, with Gig Law, um, and work with you in the future because I, I see this as something that that you, you, this is going to explode in growth. I think that what you're building hope, is thank you is really awesome and and I'd love to hear what what is the cultural fit. So honestly, I love seeing students. I'm not saying like that I'm you know such an evolved human being whatsoever. I'm not. I work on myself definitely, but I love seeing people that are willing to learn and willing to understand that. The legal industry needs to evolve and their education system within the legal industry is something that they feel is like the the doctrinal classes and just the law school themselves 
are not enough in order to truly understand what they want to do. And so if they express that and if they also express that they've had they they kind of had the same realizations that I had while going through law school. I love seeing that, but I also do love seeing who already people who already have their job set up. They finished uh, their summer associate after two L. They're going to a big firm or they're going to whatever firm they want. If they come to me and say, you know, I'm set to go into M and A here at this firm, but I really want to explore IP because maybe five ten years down the line. I could branch out on my own and I want to make sure I have a broad array of skills that I love to see as well. And I actually also a key that I love one. I love seeing thank you emails. I think that is so important and many people don't send them. And that's like shocking to me because rule number one for me is after an interview, you send a thank you email. But I also love to see people who are willing to receive who not only willing, but want to receive feedback. So in an interview, if some, if the student is like, okay, if I submit an assignment and I didn't do it correctly or how you wanted me to do it, are you, will you help guide me? Like, will you help tell me what I did wrong to improve next time? So I love people, seeing people that are willing to improve, understanding that I'm a law student, I don't know everything, and this is a learning experience and expressing that to me, I love that. So those are, those are keys, key personality traits that I love to see. And I, you know, I think the lawyers appreciate that too, because the lawyers understand that we are law students and that we are in a learning curve and we're producing the best possible product that we can given our set of skills for them. So when they, that there also has to be a right fit with the lawyer. So that is something that I explain to them <laughs> and they understand that, then it's a great sign. It, it sounds then that the two key pieces, if I'm going to distill anything from what you've just said, mm-hmm. receptive to feedback and gratitude. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure I, I, I can notice it even in this short interview <laughs> where uh, so many of the things that you've said are, are completely aligned with, with the mm-hmm. way that we look for people and, and, and oh, I love that. all that kind of stuff. And so, so I, I'm, I'm completely with you. Do you think that law schools to, to a certain degree though are, are failing students, uh, not failing in the grade department? I mean, failing <laughs> students in, in, in opportunities like this is this something that you think is well i don't want to i don't want to put any more words into your mouth i just i'll ask you the question no i love it <laughs> are, are law schools failing students right now in in opportunities that they could be pursuing i think that it's completely dependent on the law school that you go to and i i don't know what it's like in canada but in the u.s there's a very much so a tiered system. So if you're in one of the top law schools, like top 14, I think they do, they, they do provide opportunities for you to explore any sector that you want, because you have the name behind it, whether it's NYU, Columbia, UCLA, Stanford, etc. But Fordham's a fantastic school. And I really did appreciate my experience there. And I don't want them to think that I didn't. But I do think when schools are so focused on getting their students to corporate law, that that fails students that fails the other 60% that don't have the grades to go right. to corporate law. So the other 60% are kind of left just sending out the cold emails, trying to network, trying to figure it out on their own. So that's why I built this to hopefully make that a little bit easier for these students. Well, I, 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 I admire that. I think it's very similar here in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. The difference obviously being that we just have way fewer law schools. So if you're, if you're in okay. law school in Canada, uh, there's, there's no, there's no bad law school. There's no mm-hmm. law school that one wouldn't want to attend. It's okay. just the, the law school system itself here in Canada 
in many ways is is broken and it's something that we've talked talked about uh quite a bit uh, wow. in this podcast but th- there's one school in particular starting up here in in Toronto uh mm-hmm. in the fall that we're we're all kind of gunning behind to see how how they're going to address this 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 future of law peace. Oh wow. Let's let's talk a little bit about process. Mhm. Because there's a lot of people that listen to this um, podcast, but also, uh, you know, whenever we, we speak on the topic and we talk about process, I'm really interested here um, because it looks like you, you use a tool that I've never heard of. So I want to know, okay. well, know what streak is. So I okay. asked, I, for, for our listeners, we started off by asking what SaaS tools do you use that you cannot live without? Um, unsurprisingly, Dropbox and Google Drive are on there, but you've also mentioned Streak and I want to know mm-hmm. what Streak is and why you can't live without it. So Streak is actually a tool that I was introduced to by one of my advisors and it essentially tracks when people view your emails and also builds your email outreach into pipelines. So although I haven't utilized the pipeline tool as much, the just being able to see when people open the email in addition to how many times they go back and view the email is so key to me because if someone either doesn't open the email at all, I think, okay, I have to start fresh in a couple of weeks. If someone views it, opens it just once after I sent that initial cold email, okay, then maybe try a different way to reach out to them, maybe do a follow-up. But if I see someone that has gone back to the email, like my pitch email, six, seven times, I know that's a hot lead. And so that's someone who I could jump on and be like, hey, you need more information. You need, want to hop on a call. And I know they're interested. So I, I mean, it's a bit creepy. At first, I was very hesitant to even download it. But it's, well, I love it. So I'm no stranger to those tools as well. But mm-hmm. I, I think what happens is people automatically shine a negative light on, on right. something like that when it's truly used for the proper purposes. Again, right. used for the proper purposes. Email tracking allows... Yep allows people to deliver exceptional client value. It allows them to know what's working, what's not. Right. Uh, Of course, there's the ethical conversations around how far that goes. You know, Mm -hmm. there's been a couple companies like Superhuman that's gotten, you know, they've gotten into trouble because, you know, they've they've added location tracking as well. So it was popping up saying that you'd viewed in Ontario or Toronto or New York. Mm -hmm. but. These tools, and, and I'm glad we're talking about it, these are very worthwhile tools that used correctly 100%. and properly allow you to, uh, to achieve better results and provide mm-hmm. a better, better experience. A hundred percent. Kind of as the final piece here, I'd love to, to hear, I'd love to pick your brain. Tell me <laughs> a tip or two that could, help, uh, that could help any other legal innovators out there looking mm-hmm. to start their own thing, whatever it is. Talk, just tell me, give them some advice. They're listening. I think the number one thing that I tell anyone that I speak to, and I was not able to say this a year ago, but always trust your gut. Like you have, our bodies naturally have an intuition knowing what's right and what's wrong. And when I was younger, I did not listen to my gut whatsoever. I probably made a million and still in the future, I'm going to make a million mistakes, no doubt about it. But when I was a 2L and I was, or after my summer at the firm, when I was so torn, should I just take this traditional route or should I take this extremely risky route? I trusted my gut against the wishes of 
absolutely every single person that loved me, they were like, no, just go to a firm, Haley. You'll have a safe, secure salary. You'll have benefits. You'll have uh, just everything will be okay if you just go take that route. But against everyone, especially my parents who are extremely traditional people, both worked in corporate. My dad still works in corporate world. Like I went against them and it has been nothing but so exciting every single day since I've made that decision. And every day when I close on a client, when I bring on a new student, when I have, when I get to speak on a podcast like this, like everything makes it so worth it to just trust your instincts and go with what you feel in your heart, not in your brain, in your heart, what you think is the right move for you. And I think that's, if I, I've had multiple people tell that to me before but, and even before law school, my cousin said something along those lines to me. And I, and because before law school, I was very hesitant. I didn't know, was this the right path for me? And now that I'm finally allowing myself to take these risks and trust my gut, knowing that it's the right tr- like path for me, whether or not this is a billion dollar success or, you know, ends up not being as successful as I hope it to be. I know that it's going to be a learning lesson and I'm already learning so much. So no matter what, when you trust your gut, you're going to see positive results. Well, that's wonderful. And I think the first thing is let's let's be clear, this is a success. Okay. So no matter what no matter what no 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 matter what this turns into, you have just you've just completed law school and have started a company that is now working with with a handful of other amazing students and you're working with lawyers and you're doing what you love. Yeah. This is a success. Okay. Thank so whatever, you. whatever comes, whatever comes from here, mm-hmm. those successes as well. It's not like there can only be one success, right? A hundred percent. So building a business and building a community of, of like-minded people is about yep. these lockstep successes that you're going to have on your journey. Mm-hmm. And I wish you the absolute best. I think that <laughs> what you've, you. what you've built is, is amazing and, and needed. Uh, I can tell you for sure that had I gone through the path of starting my own firm, which was mm-hmm. prior to Minutebox, definitely a thought, um, right. th- th- your services would have been just the first, uh, you would have been the first Thank person you. I would have called. Well, assuming I needed, you. <laughs> work, you needed Canadian stuff, then, right. then sure. Uh, but this is needed. Uh, I love the fact that you're empowering, you're empowering mm-hmm. students to, you're leading the way, right? Like you're saying yeah. to these students, I have this idea, join right. me. And before yeah. you know it, you're going to be the de facto standard. I, and, I hope. <laughs> and I'm super excited to, to check in again over the coming months to see how things are going. And this That's has been great. a really wonderful, really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have had the opportunity to just chat with you. And it's been so great. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. This has been another episode of the Legal Innovation Talks podcast with our guest, Haley Levishvili. Tune in next week for another podcast. We look forward to hearing from you then.